Equality of educational opportunity has long been a stated goal of education in this province. The polka dot door, the polka dot door, let's peep through the polka dot door. Good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome once again to Saturday Night at the Movies. My name is Elwi Yost. Today's special, shout it loud and clear, today's special. TVO is probably best known for its children's and current affairs programs, but its science programming was no slouch. One show that took the audience right to where science happened was called Journeys. Hello, I'm Lauren Miller, and this is the Amua, a commercial fishing boat, sometimes shark fishing, but then it's not for profit, it's for science. Hosted by Lauren Miller, Journeys traveled all over the globe, profiling people making an impact. On this episode of TVO at 50, Lauren joins us to talk about the show and the global reach that it had. Do I get to see you? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Just click on that little camera. There you are. Oh my gosh. Lauren Miller, I haven't seen you in probably, I mean, it's over 20 years and you look the same. Oh, shame <laughs> on you. Shame on you. Oh my God, do you know how many people are going to hate you because you haven't aged a day? Well, check out your mirror there, Pankin. <laughs> Same to you. Actually, you know what? I, I don't want to, uh, oh God, I should not say this in front of a hot microphone. I'm 40 pounds heavier from when you knew me. Stop it. It's true. I'm afraid it is true. Well, you wear it well. Uh, you, were, you were a long, tall drink of water back then, so. Yeah, yeah back then. <laughs> so now I'm a big, a big fat much. drink of water now. <laughs> That's awesome. Good to see it's, you. It is so great to see you too. I'm very excited about doing this. Yeah, me too. Those mellifluous tones belong to Lauren Miller, M-I-L-L-A-R, everybody, incidentally, Indeed. who hosted a show on TVO from 1992 to 1998 called Journeys. And Lauren, it is great to actually see you on Zoom again. You look fantastic. No, thank you, Steve. So do you. <laughs> please, please, please continue. No, 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 I'm kidding. Now, let's talk about Journeys. Journeys was ostensibly a science show, but on the other hand, it really wasn't a typical science show. So how would you describe the mission of the program? Yeah, that's really true. Journeys, um, Journeys evolved from a program called the Science Edition on TVO, and, and that um, was a, a sort of a long format news type stories about hard science. So, um, and that sort of ran its course at TVO after a while. And what evolved from that was, um, people really wanted to be entertained and at the same time informed about what's going on in life and science. And so we got to thinking that um, what we would do is tell personal stories about people involved in science. And so what we hoped to do was engage people in these inspiring stories about people involved in, in science, not just, you know, physics, biology, chemistry, those sorts of traditional focused science, but a broader um, definition of science and that would excite and enthuse people. So that, that was our goal at that time. Hello, I'm Lauren Miller. This time on Journeys, I'm going to introduce you to the Lady of Montserrat. For nearly 400 years, she lay sleeping on this tiny Caribbean island about 50 kilometers southwest of Antigua. One day she awoke, and she awoke with such a fury, she shot rock and ash thousands of meters into the sky. The capital city of Plymouth had to be evacuated, 
and scientists from around the world have descended on this tiny island to monitor the crisis. Now, she looks rather benign right now, but we are going to follow the scientific team through the worst volcanic activity in Montserrat's history. How'd you get the gig in the first place? Oh, that's an interesting story. You know, that was one of those very rare <laughs> and exceptional opportunities. Um, I was a uh, Durham Region uh, Bureau Chief for CHEX-TV, um, stationed in Oshawa. And um, a lovely man named Brian Elston uh, lived in Durham Region. He was an editor on um, TVO's The Science Edition. I remember him well. Right. Lovely man. Um, so he watched local news and saw my reports and he thought that um, I was going to be a good fit for where uh, the science edition was going and where, for where TVO science was going, really. So um, I got a call. Like, who'd, who gets a call out of the blue? I, I felt really lucky about that. Apparently you do, Lauren. <laughs> so they called. They said, hey, um, we're doing this series at TVO and uh, just wondered if you'd like to talk about it. <laughs> oh, my God. So I, uh, I drove down and we chatted. Uh, Jed DeCorey interviewed me, producer. Mm -hmm. Uh, the science edition at the time. And uh, yeah, I got the gig. Fantastic. Now, Stuart McLean. Hello. Yes, yes. The late, great Stuart McLean. That was awesome. Vinyl Cafe. That's right. This was a show that he did, quote unquote, on the side. Yes. Besides all the other stuff he did at CBC. That's right. Yeah. And he was teaching now, at Ryerson at the time. Well. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Now, you used to do a promo for the show, which I saw in, mm. in prep for this. Right. The gist of which was, yes, this is a science show, but it's fun and it won't hurt you to watch it. And your tagline was, you don't have to tell your science teacher that you're watching. People that we profile on Journeys are exceptional. But they're your neighbor, or they're the guy down the hall at work. They're ordinary people, and they're doing extraordinary things. Every time we're finished a journey story, I feel humbled. Because the people we meet are so dynamic and so driven, and believe so strongly in what they're doing. The people that you meet on journeys will definitely rekindle your interest in science. And you know, your high school science teacher never has to know. How important was it for you to bring that kind of a sensibility to the program? We thought at the time, and, and it turned out it was very true, that people were um, done with watching sort of a traditional, um, somewhat pedantic science documentary. So we thought what we wanted to do is um, create this refreshing approach that you, you couldn't call science. So... Um, you know, if, if you didn't excel in, in science in high school or university, it, it didn't matter. You'd still be interested in this because it was about people and their stories and their passion for the particular area of science they were in. So that was that was the goal. And, and that was a big deal because, you know, what soon became evident was there was some exceptional people that we found and profiled involved in, in the realm of science. And, you know, they could even be considered heroes. Um, in general, not just in the science realm. Um, of course, they didn't see themselves as that. You know, someone like Leslie Shanks, who was working in a refugee camp in Rwanda as a physician for Medicine Sans Frontier. Heroic stuff. I mean, that was scary stuff being in that refugee camp. But she just thought she was, you know, just a doctor helping out in a tough situation. Hmm. So. Well, this is, if I can put it this way, you worked there in the days when TVO had money. And by that, I mean, you really got to travel. 
Can you yes. tell us some of the places around this globe that you took that show to? Yes, and I must say that I had an amazing team with a can-do attitude. We wanted our stories to be relevant. We wanted our stories to be current. We wanted our stories to capture people's attention. So we did get a budget, obviously, like, like every show did. But then we went out and we found sponsors. If we, like I've mentioned Leslie Shanks and Goma Zaire in the middle of a refugee crisis, I had you know CBC on in my office all the time, learning about stories that were happening around the globe. Canadian doctor in Goma. Ooh, let's look at our budget. Hmm, <laughs> I don't think Goma Zaire is on the budget. <laughs> so we did things like reached out to corporate sponsors, corporate sponsors that would fit into what we were attempting to do. And that's how we got additional money to travel. So I did get to go to some amazing places. I mean, again, a once in a lifetime gig that we worked really hard for um, to get that additional money to tell stories of Ontarians and Canadians around the world doing these remarkable things. So we couldn't limit ourselves to the province of Ontario or to Canada for that matter, because people from Ontario people from Canada were out there doing these remarkable things. So like Bob Schemenauer, he was um, from McMaster University back then, I believe. Um, we went to Pululawa and Pachamama Grande in Ecuador to profile him. He was a cloud physicist, is a cloud physicist. He was extracting fresh water from fog to, um, for impoverished villages outside of Quito. So um, these people were drinking water from a muddy sequoia um, and, and were getting all kinds of diseases. So but they lived in a mountain region. So he erected these magnificent volleyball nets around the mountain and fresh water flowed in eaves troughs into great vats. So also Nairobi, Kenya, Dr. Frank Plummer, um, Canadian, he found an immunity um, to the AIDS virus among prostitutes in a Nairobi slum. And we really needed to tell his story. And so one of the things we did, um, you know, to make it easier to find was, first we went to a refugee camp in Goma Zaire, and then we stopped by Nairobi, Kenya, on the way back to, <laughs> to profile this man. I mean, just remarkable stories, people doing this incredible sorts of work. And then we also got to go to Hawaii where um, there were some Canadian researchers there. They were capturing and tagging tiger sharks to understand their migration patterns, understand their behavior, to try to save them really, because you know whenever there's a shark attack, um, people wanna destroy the sharks. And so they were working to enable people to understand better. And these guys were very convincing in their research. They also convinced me to get into the water. <laughs> I remember you got in the water and you 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 got kind of, uh, you know kind of up close and personal with the sharks. I was up close and personal. I don't you know looking back, it was a great thrill. I'm extremely happy that I did it. But you know I was in the boat with these scientists, these biologists who you know study shark behavior and know shark behavior, and they were convincing me, Lauren. It'll be fine, they said. You get in the water, he won't even see you, they said. <laughs> they said. You know, this shark had been through a great traumatic experience. They capture the shark, flip it on its back. It goes into a state of tonic immobility. And um, they slice open its abdomen, stick this, you know, shampoo-sized bottle into its abdomen. It's the transmitter. It was a transmitter at the time, poor shark. Little did it know it was the tiny little transmitters now. Um, 
And then they would release it and then track its, you know, the beacon that was inside the shark. So yeah, I climbed in the water with my little, <laughs> my little uh, camera and uh, videotaped it as it was being released. So the ropes came off and the shark, you know, broke free and then swam into the depths. Didn't give me a second look. Of the 118 sharks caught so far, 12 transmitters are still active. 12 tiger sharks that unpredictably return to this very spot. Lauren, are you ready? We're on it. Now, we should say this was not a 25-foot great white as in Jaws. No. This was a somewhat smaller shark. If 13 feet can be considered small. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> it was, that's still plenty big, yes. It's a 13-foot tiger shark, yeah. So. Yeah, that's still uh, pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm also tr remembering back, you interviewed the first ever female snowbird, right? I Who did. went up in the sky and, you know, did you yes. go for a ride with her? Of course. I mean, actually, Marlene Schillingford was the first female airframe technician to be on hmm. the snowbirds team. So it was her job to make sure that that plane was in tip-top shape for the plane's pilot. But yes, as part of the story, again, another thrill of a lifetime was to... Um, pull G-force with the snowbirds over Lake Ontario upside down. Um, Did you ever think you were going to crash? No, I never did. You know, huh. I always think positively. Because they do. You know they do. <laughs> I mean, not often, but they do. They do. Yeah. No, I never did think that. It was just a thrill. So, I mean, I'm looking into the eyes of the pilot next to the plane that we're in because they're that close flying in formation. And it, it was just, there was no time to think about that. Now I know what Marlene is talking about. This is a thrill that goes way beyond words. The power, the G-force, the exhilaration of flying on your head. This is amazing. Okay, I have to ask you a question now. Like, this one's broadcaster to broadcaster, because uh. I, I don't know... Well, let me put it this way. You used to open your, your shows with fairly lengthy, you know, piece to camera introducing the subject. Yes, I do. And, and you were really good at it, I have to say. Thank you. And I always wondered, is she memorizing that or has she got a teleprompter? Because she's going on for a good minute, minute and a half, no mistakes, absolutely clean. So did you memorize that stuff or were you reading it? Fess up. I memorized it. No kidding. I cannot do that for the life of me. I don't know how you did. Well, it's amazing what you can do and you know when you have to. I mean, we were on location, right? So we were like out uh, tracking grizzly bears in the Rockies or we were like like in Goma or I'm um, in Montserrat on a on a volcano while it was erupting. So no teleprompter was dragged along. We barely got a chance to have anyone but cameramen and audio in you know, the final um, stages of journeys. But yeah, no teleprompter. It was one of the things Peter Herndorfer actually complimented me on. Oh no, because you were great at it. Now, did you, now be honest here again, did you need 15 or 20 takes before you finally got it? No, you know, occasionally. Occasionally, when you were under a lot of pressure, um, for example, <laughs> I remember one time we were on the East Coast and I we found this great place for a stand up with the fishing boats behind. and. And I was on the dock with the fishing boats and my cameraman was on land, you know, because so the camera would be stable. And we're on the East Coast. So there's a great tidal bore on the East Coast, right? 
So as my stand-up is going on, the sun is going down and the tide is coming in. So my position is constantly changing. <laughs> so, so there's a little pressure to get it right. And um, I did have to do a, a few takes of that one. I think, you know, I think probably seven or eight was the, the max. I got to tell you, I was awfully bloody impressed. So that, that was awesome. Now, tell me this. Why did the show come to an end? You know, that's a good question. There are just so many variables. I mean, it was public television. Budgets were being cut. Um, and you never really know what goes on in the boardroom and, and what's being said. But it was, it was just sort of, uh, um, as I understood it, budgetary reasons. In fact, the final year of Journeys, I formed my own production company. And we put our own money into keeping that it going for one more year to see if TVO and then partnered up with Discovery um, to see if, you know, we could keep it going. But it, it just seemed that there was a narrowing down of focus at, uh, at the network and it, it, it was kind of falling outside the realm. But you got, what, six, seven really good seasons out of that show? Yeah, five. I think it was like five. There was a season of prep and then there was like five good seasons. So, got yeah. It. Remarkable. I mean, it was just a remarkable experience and met amazing people to tell some pretty cool stories and stories that are still relevant today. You know, I was remembering we did a story about um, Cirque du Soleil and we were the first documentary crew to be able to get in there into the inner sanctum to hmm. uh, talk about Cirque. After that, you know, uh, others were invited in, but um, also Cirque formed its own production company and only made its own documentaries. But that was cool. You know, Cirque just filed for bankruptcy not too long yeah. ago. And so brought back all those memories about how amazing that was. Hmm. What are you up to these days? Well, I have my own company. We have, uh, we're a visual effects design studio. So we create uh, realistic looking environments and creatures and characters, et cetera, for um, motion pictures. And um, we've moved recently into art installations. So um what we do is recreate things, realistic uh, effects like a waterfall, for example, we did for the Salesforce lobby in San Francisco. It's on a big digital display. So like an enormous uh, TV set, 107 feet uh, wide. Um, and we created a waterfall that's interacting with doorways and stuff. So art installations and, um, and movies and that sort of thing. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. You know, it, it's so great to get reconnected with you. This Me was uh, such a fun walk down memory lane because because yeah. you now I think you and I both started a TVO roughly around the same time. Yes. What was your first year? Uh, I think it was ninety three or ninety four. Okay, so when I started ninety two, so we were both there, both starting right around the same time. Yeah, yeah. The and we both still we both still uh, all got our our own teeth. So uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> that's a good thing. What else can you ask for, right? <laughs> nothing, nothing. That's great. Well, that's Lauren Miller, the host of Journeys from 1992 to 1998. Lauren, it is so good to talk to you again, and you be well. Thanks. You too, Steve. Such a joy to talk to you. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. And that's it for us. This episode of TVO at 50 was produced by Katie O'Connor and Matthew O'Mara. Editing by Donnie Swanson. Research help from Kate Petch and Carol Elder. Our production support coordinators are Jonathan Hallowell and Nikki Ashworth. We want you to share your TVO memories. What does TVO mean to you? Record yourself and email the audio to us using the address tvo at 50 at tvo.org. That's TVO AT and the numbers 50 at tvo.org. And we'll play these on future episodes. Next time on the podcast. 
a man of many interests and talents and um and uh, as i said like uh, you know he he really was just very curious and interested in people and uh, that's why i think the, the show was a great uh, you know a great platform i'm steve pakin bye bye <laughs>